and welcome to another episode of Next Man Up. And it is a special episode this week. Those special words I like to say when we have a special guest. And this is probably the most special guest we've had so far because he is a member of the Eagles organization. He has got UK in his heart as well. Please welcome to the podcast, Jamal Singleton. Jamal, how the hell are you, man? <laughs> I'm, I'm doing great. I'm doing better now talking to some guys, some of my new friends from across the pond. So I'm excited to, to get going and talk to some Eagles fan in the UK. Are you kidding me? There's a fan base in basically my mother's land, truly. This yeah. is this is a great, great deal for me. So I'm honored. I'm excited. I hope we have just a great show and we maybe have a little fun while we do it. I'm sure, I'm sure we will. Right. We're gonna get into you in a second because I don't want to waste any of your time whatsoever. But just before I do, I cannot start any podcast without asking how my two favorite co-hosts are uh, Mick you started a week off by posting lots of messages in our in our UK Eagles WhatsApp group saying you'd have an amazing start to the week I haven't pressed you on this so I have no idea what was the reason for it but can you can you enlighten us as to why you had such a great start to the week uh well it was just a, a few things you know that the, the kids were not breaking my balls that day so um that's that's always a good start to the to the week um Things seem to be going right and work and everything else. So I uh, was walking around sunshine for a couple of days and fast forward, we're here Thursday, it's the end of the week. I've got a whiskey in hand. I'm even happier talking to Coach Singleton. So I'm so excited for this podcast. Oh, that's so good to hear, man. I'm glad it's a good start to the week. And Phil, I would ask you how your week's been so far, but I don't know, you're listening into this podcast. You may have seen a couple of posts on Twitter. Uh, we've just come off the back of a amazing tomahawk steak cooked by Phil on his barbecue downstairs. The dogs, Phil's dogs, I didn't post any pictures of these, but they were up on the side ready for some of that fatty meat that was left at the end. But I may, I may have eaten some of that as well, I'm not going to lie. Um, I can feel that fatty meat around my heart, but, it, but also in my belly, and it's joyous. So you have uh, to fear of missing out now. You're like, you, you guys are <laughs> down there having fun, having a barbecue, having beers in the sunshine. Whilst, yeah, I'm in Glasgow and it's not the same. <laughs> <laughs> you worry, Nick. We'll be up there for a watch along in Glasgow with the UK Eagles fans. But Phil, just a, a word from you before we get into it. Well, yeah, I mean, it all came about once. Uh, all, all came about at once. Sorry, um, Jamal giving us the go ahead to come on today, which is like a massive, huge honour for all of us. I know it's been stated already, but you know, for us to get a, an actual Eagles coach on on a UK humble little pod from across the pond is, is incredible. Um, and Liam coming down because we're off to watch um, some T20 cricket tomorrow in my hometown. Um, so a few beers tomorrow night with a few more friends. But Liam came down tonight, so had to do, had to roll out the red carpet, didn't I? Had to get the the tomahawk steaks from the butchers. Had to get the barbecue, brandy barbecue, by the way, Liam. I don't think I told you this. Um, all right, you, you know, all, no, no expenses spared. Um, steak <laughs> on nice salad, some, some nice, uh, some roast potatoes to go with it, and uh, some salad. It was it, uh, kiss, chef's kiss, absolutely beautiful. I'm looking forward to getting favorite, into this pod now. Oh, and some red wine. Red wine. My fa- he, he had my favorite bottle of red, red wine for me on arrival. I mean, what a guy, what a man. <laughs> he may be called the you... fence on this podcast, but he definitely jumped over the fence to go and make sure my night was spectacular today. That's a good yeah. host. Well, I didn't get an yeah. invite to any of this. That's the only problem oh. I have. You'll all, be first all on the, the list steak, next time. Fine wine and no, no, just I get to talk on the show and I don't get to eat. What's going on? <laughs> hey, coach, coach. The next time you're ever in the UK, yeah, absolutely. We're gonna we're gonna get into you in a second, and I, I know where you got some family, and your your family aren't too far away from where I am, so 
uh, we're, we'll get it. Hey, do you know what? Let's get into that right now. Coach, amazing to have you on the podcast. It's probably going to be said about 15 million times in this podcast, but we have no shame. Um, you know, you were, you were born in, in Turkey, I believe. Oh, uh, and I'm going to try and pronounce the place you were born in. Are you ready for it? <laughs> Injilic? Uh, yeah, see, you're oh, trying to get a little Turkish with your saying. We, uh, we just call it Insulik. I'm sure there's another oh. pronunciation that we did that, but that's good enough. It sounds better than what, what you said than what I say. So that's good. We'll work with that. Uh, so you're born there, but um, let's just get straight into it. Like when, when we first chatted um, on Twitter, you know, a couple of months ago, um, you know, I really got the feeling that you had a, a home and a heart in the UK. You grew up here when you were younger. Can you just tell us a little bit about that? Like when you growing up over here, what it was like, just that whole experience. Yeah, you know, you mentioned I was born in Turkey. Um, I don't have any memories of Turkey. We left when I was probably about eight months old wow. and came to England. So my first memories are of the UK. That's where I grew up early in my early childhood. My mother's British. So for me, it was, it's home. Like the whole side of my family lives lives over there. So, you know, that's the first memories of stay there for about five years. We left, my father was in the military. So he had been stationed there before. That's when he met my mom. And then they went to Turkey and had me and then we came back. Then we, you know, had a couple other different stations, went to the US, um, bounced around, then came back again to, to England as well. Spent another five years there. So it's, it's home for me. I mean, it, it really is as a military brat growing up, traveling all over the world. and living in different places throughout Germany and, and obviously the UK, it's it's really home. My, my oldest brother still lives over there. My aunt lives in uh, Stony Stratford, just outside of Milton yeah. Keynes. Um, and it's, so to me, it, it's home. And, and that's, we were talking about food. So I, I'm not gonna let us go any further until we have this discussion. I don't have a speaker's fee. Like I really don't charge for speaking, but I think this is a unique situation that I'm thinking a care package with some double deckers some okay. finger of fudge. The list is long, okay? You need, I need to send some, me a message. <laughs> I need some Smarties. I need some minstrels. I need all the... I taught my nine-year-old daughter the commercial of finger of fudge. She sings that commercial. She's never had one, but she sings that. So that's going to be my speakers for you today. I need a care box of all the great sweets that I remember in my childhood and that I get all the time. So boom, I just had to make sure I got that out. Consider it done. Consider it done. Absolutely done. But it is. But it, I mean, it, it truly is. It's, that's home for me. That's family. I've been fortunate enough to be over there a few times with, with the NFL teams I've coached with. was hoping that the Eagles would get over this year. Didn't happen. But uh, oh, I'm always nudging some guys, hey, you know, that, that London trip's a pretty cool trip to go play <laughs> games. So, but it is, I, I, part of me, that's, that's home for me. My mother was a British citizen her whole life. She, she, even when we lived in the U.S., she, she, was not, she didn't change her citizenship. Um, mm-hmm. Older brother uh, and sister, all that. So it's, to me, that's home. The, the England is home for me, and I have a lot of homes as a, a brat, but that, that's a place that's near and dear to my heart, and that's where my family's at. Uh, that, that really resonates with me like as well. I, I was actually born in London, and even though I'm, <clears throat> I would always consider myself fully Irish, I was born in London. Um, I wasn't quite eight months old, but I was uh, just under the age of three. Um, my mum and dad met in, the, in London, the UK, they moved me back to Dublin, but I grew up my entire life in Dublin. And that was, I feel like where, where you're made is really important. It doesn't matter where you may be born in a certain place, where you're made, where you feel at home is like, so important to your personality, to your character, to who you are. 
And I don't think that ever leaves you. And I'm just saying that because I feel quite passionate about it as well. And it sounds like you you do too. So that's uh, that's awesome, man. We'll definitely get that care package sent over to you. All right, good. We, <laughs> we, we, we keep going then. We're good. <laughs> you got no trouble with that. Um, amazing. Um, so you mentioned before we came on, um, you've worked with four different NFL clubs, three different other clubs before you're now the Eagles, the Bengals, the Raiders, and the Colts. Um, how how was that like? How how what was what was the transition like from coming out, back over from the UK to the US and then go, going through your, your your early and your your late teens life and, and going into the army and then transitioning? It's a long question, this by the way, and okay. then transition and then transitioning that into American football. Can you just give us a bit of a story from like post UK coming over and what that was like? Yeah. Well, you, you know it's. The great thing about in the UK, and this is a different time, obviously, there was more active military bases in the UK. So I, I started my first time back. I Really, I started playing football in England. Like that's, American yeah. football is there. So on every base, there's, it's a youth activity center that they have there. And through that, there's teams. So even in my freshman year in high school, when I was living in, in we were living in England, and actually I went to high school at Alconbury High School. Um, my freshman year, we traveled throughout the UK playing football. So you just played against the other bases and other American kids that, so it's, that was where I kind of cut my teeth a little bit on football was, it was really that transition into high school. So when I left after my freshman year in England, that's when I came to the, the heart of Texas where Texas football, high school football is no joke. It is exactly that. And so for three years, that was kind of my development process even more within the game. And so I went there and then was fortunate enough to go to the Air Force Academy, um, went there, played football, um, kind of went through that whole deal, started my coaching career there, all that stuff. So it really, really, I started to learn how to play football in, in England. And that was Amazing. a big part of it. I do tell people all the time back then there wasn't many stations. So I, we'd watch Monday night football on Tuesdays and that's, was just the only time we'd watch it and get a chance to do it. But no, so it's, it was all, I put, got to play sports all growing up. I didn't feel like I missed out on anything by not growing up in the U S and playing those sports. Cause I was playing those games. Now the, the size and the number of players were different, but we, uh, we got to play ball and really I cut my teeth there. I did, I did dabble a little bit in some soccer. I did a oh. little bit. I may Which have had a cricket bat at my house, but we oh, hello. like a baseball bat every now and then. But <laughs> no, so I had a, a good taste of, of all that. And it just really, at the end of the day, just helped in my development in sports is, is playing all the different games there in base. And then uh, doing that, we did play a British semi-pro football. And I use the word semi-pro very, very lightly. I use it very, <laughs> very lightly. But we did play a semi-pro team when I was a young guy. It was a bunch of, I think they were like 25-year-olds, and we were like 16, 17-year-olds. But we did play a team there. That was the How did one you do? How I, did you do? Uh, we did pretty well. <laughs> we, you know, we probably had a little bit of an advantage with how long we've been playing the game. And I think they were, <laughs> I think they were having tomahawks and glasses of wine on the sideline too. So I think we were getting. Hey, that is, coach, come on, that is that isn't that the staple diet for every player <laughs> before a game? Like game meal, oh, absolutely. <laughs> I love that, and also um, I don't know, Phil. You know, like you had a question in a second, but I just wanted to jump in and just you know jump on that point that you made, there, Coach. Like, you your first kind of inkling into football was in the UK. So basically, if I can extrapolate that, <laughs> the Eagles are basically playing UK football at the moment through your you know methodology. 
<laughs> yeah, you didn't you didn't realize that y'all were in the mecca of American football. That's you right? didn't understand that. That's exactly what the starting point of it. It's awesome. <laughs> Phil, did you have something to come in on there? I, I noticed you wanted to say something. No, it was more when you when you played soccer. What position did you tend to get stuck at, or play, or by choice, or by force? I'm trying to remember because I, I and I, hate <laughs> it, but I, I didn't play for very long. Um, I enjoyed it. Had you were fun, quick, though, right, Jamal? You were quick. Yeah, I, I could run. So not so my my brother that actually he lives over here in the U.S. as well is eight years older than me. Now he was the soccer guy because he had grown up there pretty much his whole life. Um, he played a bunch. Me, I was I had the speed and quickness, but the, there's a little. I liked a little bit more contact. Not that there's not any contact, but I liked a little bit more. I think I might have been a forward. I know I scored a goal. I can remember that. I scored a I goal. That would be my guess. Yeah, I reckon you would, be, you would either be a striker or you'd be on the wing as like a kind of a pseudo striker. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Gotcha. No. <laughs> love that. I love that. Um, oh, I'm just looking at my notes here. And the first thing I can see is double-decker finger of Fogin Smarties. Perfect. <laughs> then I got my mission that I came here with has been accomplished. I'm good to go. Head on the questions I was looking for. Um, <laughs> Now, listen, um, just, just touching on like uh, your transition into the NFL, like um, so post what you were just talking about, what was it like being at the Bengals and Raiders and Colts? But I suppose a further question for me is like, what's the biggest difference you find working for this Eagles organization at the moment? Because we're full disclosure, full disclosure coach, we are like super positive Eagles uh, fans, podcasters, you know, we don't like, we, you know, if you want to be critical, when we can be critical, absolutely, we will do that. Um, but we're, we're super positive. We look for the, the pros, uh, uh, you know, in everything we look at. We want to see the Eagles team succeed. And it just feels like there's such a sense of drive and ambition and happiness and growth and all, all those wonderful things at the moment. So so looking at the Bengals, the Raiders and the Colts, is there anything, what, what are the stark differences you're seeing now working for the Eagles versus working for those guys, I'm not saying they weren't also, you know, enjoyable and, and impactful as well. Yeah, and, and I think that's that's part of it. Looking at the other teams, and, and I'm not afraid to say this, and I'm not knocking any of the other programs that I've, I've been with and that, and I've got a chance to see different organizations, different styles. You know, when you look at the Bengals, and we have a phrase kind of mom and pop organization, where it's like kind of the family kind of built it and runs it. And that's, that's how the Bengals are structured, you know, that the ownership, like that's what they do, the owner, their children, they're all involved in running the team. And that was a really neat experience. I mean, we're talking about Paul Brown. I mean, Mr. Brown, the owner of the Bengals is the son of Paul Brown. And if you know any of your football history, I mean, we're talking Paul Brown is a huge part of why the NFL exists. A lot of the things, yeah. rules, plays, things that come up. So that history was unbelievable and the, but the organization was ran completely different because of that you know the parents of all that wasn't a huge scouting or personnel department very small as a coach you were a little bit quasi scout and coach because of the smaller numbers you know and then with the Colts obviously where I started my career with them the similar it just a nor the kind of more I say normal but just more of the hey ownership is more of owners than your GM and the setup there but I, I'll say this it's been it's been unbelievable. My my year with the Eagles is, and I'm not knocking any of the other pieces I with, but <laughs> has been the best that I've experienced since I've been coaching. 
and it and it's a part of me and the funny thing is I would have never, ever, ever in my lifetime thought me and my family would be living that far in the northeastern part of our country. <laughs> it's, it's different. We're not, you know, and my wife is a rodeo girl and my daughter rides horses and all this stuff. So I tell them they're country, you know, so we're a country and that's usually more in the southern and western part of the country that you do that. So we had no desire ever to go this far north. And I guess by, by fate whatever we ended up there and it's been the best situation in so many different ways and and you're talking about how the organization is run I, I can tell you this there hasn't been anything that I've needed as a coach that I haven't been given and wow. it's that's, that's given you've been given all the tool all that stuff and, and I think that's the way the organization is and this is you know I'm not brown nosing and kissing up to my ownership by no stretch but he, he I hate to say it, guy he might not listen to this podcast yeah, he does. <laughs> I mean, we did have Colleen Wolf on three weeks. Yeah, I know you, you but, did step your game up a little you know. bit. So that's good. <laughs> but not, no, seriously, sure. I mean, it just, I think, I think the, it's, it's a well-run organization and it's the things you need. And you talk about the way the players are treated and the things they are provided, you know, and I, I love it. And really on the set, and you kind of made the comment about kind of how you guys are. I mean, the Eagles, it's Philly. Like it's the way the organization is and, and just the passion of that. And I'm going to get fired up a little bit because I'm getting goosebumps right now thinking about my first game with it. So we go play Atlanta this past season. It's first game. So it's my first real, you know, pre regular season game. And, you know, we go there and we're driving to the stadium. I've always done this. I don't know why, but I just, on the bus ride to the stadium, I'm staring through the parking lot and I'm looking and all I'm looking for is same color jerseys. I'm looking for how much green is there? Okay. How am I, oh, what? Okay. That tailgate party. There's a ball. Oh, there's a flat. And I always do that. There's part of it. I just, I like to know where our fans are. Eagles travel well as well. Eagles travel well. Eagles oh, even better than I had anticipated. And, and we're walking and I'm like, Oh man. And they're everywhere. I'm, I'm, I'm counting. I'm like, green, 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 green. I'm like, okay. Uh, okay. Eagles. I see. And I'm like, well, it's Atlanta. It's a big city, easy to get to. Right. And they turned down. It was awesome. And then we go to Carolina and it's like, green, 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 green. Okay, <laughs> awesome. Okay. You guys, I get it. You got it going. And then the one that did it for me, the one I was like, okay, there's no if, ands, buts about it. This, this fan base is unbelievable was we go and play the Broncos and we're going to Denver. And I, I went to school literally an hour south of where the stadium is. So I went to the Air Force Academy in Colorado Springs. I've lived there for as long as I've lived anywhere in my life in Colorado. And I never, I mean, I never didn't know, hey, he's an Eagles fan. Hey, he's an Eagles fan. That, they never, that conversation never came up. And we pull into the hotel part and we're about to get out and the lobby, they had to rope off a separate entrance for us to walk in because the lobby was full of Eagles fans and they are chanting and yelling and screaming. And I call my wife. I'm like, Jen, did you know that there was all these Eagles fans in Denver? She's like, no idea. And I think that was, that was the point. I was like, this fan base is legit. And you said it. You said it's like, hey, we're positive, we're fan, we be critical when we feel we need to be critical. But that's the fan base. And this is the part I love is you do good and you work and you basically put all your heart into something, they're going to support you. If you don't, well, then you're going to get the opposite of that. And it's, I have no problem with that. If I can go into a stadium and we're coaching a game and our fan base is in it and they're pushing it because they make a difference. It, the environment makes a huge difference, both a negatively to our opponent and positively to us that it's, Hey, give me that. 
I'd rather have that NASCAR rowdy guy up in the stands than the wine and cheese guys just barely golf clapping. So I love it. Hey, Coach, you what, are you, talk about? what are you talking about it. my wine and cheese? Hey, I just, you know, I'm talking hey, about that's a, but you're at the house. You're not at the stadium. Something tells me when you get to the pitch, you're a little bit more wild than what you are right now on a podcast. So you're right. You're, you're right. <laughs> exactly. I love that you called it pitch. That's uh, that's that's your UK coming out. Yeah, and, and I'm, I'm gonna have to apologize because every now and then I'm gonna start slipping because the accents I'm getting kind of backing in my flow, and it's, uh, I'm trying not to get too British on you, but I'll uh, keep it as much back. <laughs> as I can. <laughs> I just wanted to, I just had a question off the back of what you just said which is really interesting and that was about the personality of an Eagles player and an Eagles coach living and breathing Philadelphia I'm a Newcastle United football fan we're going to come on to the segment about choosing you a, a football team in yeah. a bit um, and you know in, in Newcastle if you play, you don't even need to win but, but as long as you give the effort as long as you make an effort and show you're making an effort that is all of Phil's smiling because I'm burning you up to be a Newcastle fan later. I can see. <laughs> no, I'm, 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 I'm just, I'm just laughing because he's, he's going bang on about not winning because they haven't won so much. Oh, okay. We're gonna get oh, yeah. we're gonna, we're last, gonna... last so many years that. Well, that's that's awesome. standard. That's standard thinking when you haven't won for so long. But they oh, might, they right. might be soon. But you know, I'll right. say <laughs> this. I'll say this about the Eagles fan. Uh, it might not be like Newcastle because we could give great effort, but we want to win too. So it's yeah, yeah, yeah. a little Absolutely. bit different. Well, 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 yeah, so 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 definitely great effort, definitely want to win. Um, but but bringing back to what you were just talking about a second ago about you liking that mentality, you liking the ability and the Eagles fan base and knowing that a one. Our feelings certainly over here in the UK, and I think it's fair to say in this podcast, is the, the types of personalities they have in the Eagles locker room now both from the coaching staff, but, but also, you know, very importantly, from a player perspective. Seems like they're much more built to deal with that kind of environment um, in Philadelphia this year. Uh, both naming any names or, or whatever for the last few years, you know, it's well documented, those conversations and stuff in the media. Um, but on a positive note, it feels like these kind of, I mean, I look at Jalen Hurts and this guy is just like cool, calm, collected confidence. When that, when that when that when that stadium fell down, he didn't even yeah. worry about it. He was over there and he was moving it up and you know and picking them up and moving them along. And you know we'll we'll get into Jalen in a bit, but not just him, Devontae Smith. The guys they're bringing in, the players they've drafted, the power today have. It feels like they're so set up to deal with playing in Philadelphia. Do you get that sense? I don't want to lead you down that question and say yes, I do. But like, do you yeah. genuinely feel that? Well, I think, I think a lot of that comes from, look, look you got to go back to a little bit of these guys in college. And I think a lot of their experience in college determine what things are going to happen in the NFL. And that's part of the evaluation process for us. And I think you look at, a, and you mentioned it, you look at a quarterback like Jalen Hurts and like, you look at his career path and look at what he did at the University of Oklahoma and what he did at Alabama and the adversity that he had to experience just through that part of his career. And to set and it's and really look at it. There was a you know when he got there, he wasn't the starter guy. There was question all that type of stuff. And he's now he's gone from that to the leader of the team, and he's QB one. And I think you just QB one baby. You can't. I've always said it's hard to coach toughness. I I, I feel as a coach, I can help a guy get tougher, but I can't help him be tough. 
And I think that's just an inherent thing that he's had that's been developed from his fan growing up, coming through it. And I think when you look at, and you hit on it, you look at some of the guys and I always, you know, the O-line is, is <clears throat> like that. And I'll say it, Jason Kelsey is my favorite football player in the whole world. I like watching him when I was at other teams because you watch you tape and you cross film and you see him showing. I'm like, who is this dang center for the Eagles? My gosh. And again, but look at, look at him. He wasn't a highly recruited guy or smaller. He's undersized. You just found. And that's, you can't, that's why the fans love. Yeah, there we go. We just pulled up a Kelsey Jersey there. But I think that's why you talk about if you, a player how many offensive centers have jerseys flying off the rack have jerseys overseas right it's because of him it's his football is phenomenal right we know that it's an elite level different than what you see on any sunday but it's who the guy is like he's the embodiment of philadelphia eagles he's the embodiment of philly of those fans and they love him because he's like them and I think that's, you're seeing that people get here and it's a tough play. It, it, there's no offense, buts about it. it is a tough place to play. It is a tough place to be a player. If you maybe aren't as tough through that and maybe you don't work as hard and it, it can be hard. And they're, they're going to let you know whether fair or not, it, it is what it is. It comes with the territory, but guys that are built to be able to withstand that are huge in this part of the country. And, and that's, and I think that's, what's great. And you hit right on it. I mean, it's, you're just looking at pieces and it, I always think offensively, at least it starts with the quarterback and you got a guy that is calm, cool, collective. We all, I would have been high stepping and running out the way when that <laughs> thing, thing falls down and the saying, he's just like, Oh, and he's helping people up. And it's like, Oh my gosh, we could have, his ACL could have been torn and he's just, Calm, what's, it like like, being around, what's it like being around him, Coach, like Jalen specifically? Because we, we, we've spoken to ESP uh, and Zach Berman and, and some of the, the guys who are looking at from the sidelines, but what's it like to like really experience being around Jalen? Because it, it feels like he has a presence now. He does. And he's a good, and I, you know, it's, it's funny, Texas football and all that, and Oklahoma State, where I coached a few years, it has a big presence in Texas. We do a lot of recruiting there. So I actually got to see a very young Jalen Hurts at a camp, you know, coming through with his dad. So, you know, I'd recruited his high school and those type of things. So I got to kind of, I knew his name well before I ever came to the Eagles, well before Alabama and Oklahoma and those type of things. And you got, he's a, he's a coach's kid. And, and in the U.S., that's in football, especially a Texas high school coach's kid, that says a lot. And there's usually, hey, he's a coach's kid. And that's a huge compliment when it comes, you don't have, oh yeah, he's a coach's kid. That, that's not the connotation that it takes. It's sure. that this guy's, he's been around ball his whole life. He's probably hung out in locker rooms. He's probably been a ball boy. He's probably been in the film room with his dad and late night mm -hmm. watching tape. I mean, all those things that help the, especially for a position like quarterback is huge. So now Jalen, he, he's a cool guy. You all see it. I mean, it, it's, it's hard to say, oh, okay, in the building he's this and outside he's this I think he, he's pretty consistent with who he is as a person and it's awesome to kind of be around him on a daily basis Mick just wanted to bring you in like on the offensive line Yo. Um, I know I know you you know what? I love talking offensive line man and I, I know you do I assume you've got a question about that you know given that Jamal is a is a running back coach oh well put me right in the spot why don't you Liam thanks for that <laughs> right in front of the coach um you know well we, we all know that, that Stout is the, the goat of offensive line coaches. Um, how do you, how you find working with, with Stout? 
Well, you know, this is this is what I've always said, and it, it's extremely important to me. The running back coach and O-line coach relationship is paramount. I mean, it's it's a big piece. There's so many things that the position groups have to interact with, whether it's pass protection. We're as running backs, we're as involved in pass protection as the O-line is in the run game, obviously how they're blocking running. So it's, it's, there's gotta be a level of communication between those two position groups for you to have the success that you want in those areas of the game. And I think I obviously had heard about stop before I came there. I saw the offensive line and kind of how they do things. I mean, the way the O-line is built is unbelievable. And I think that's a testament to stout, but also to, you know, I'm kissing up to all my bosses right now. So I, <laughs> I GM Howie Roseman. I mean, we give him, we got to give, give him a lot of credit. I mean, the line is just built oh, in trenches. a way. Oh, so I mean, I came when I came here, I was like, just salivating. I was like, Oh, my I have never been with an offensive line built as great as this old line. And I was like, Okay, who's our starting tackle? Oh, Lane, John oh, Lane Johnson, the Texas kid from East Texas, the huge tall quarterback, the freak of a human being and athleticism and all that. Okay, that's pretty good. So our left tackle is probably not any good. Oh, Jordan Mulatto? What are you talking about? Uh, Just the hugest man you've ever seen in your life. Um, Unbelievable. Like, wait a minute. Our center, our center might be one of the smartest men in football that there is. And then we talk about, you had Brandon Brooks, you had Isaac. We drafted the young guy, Landon Dickerson from that. And just guys that were coming on. And even, you know, the Andre Dillards and just, you're like, even our backup Mm -hmm. O-line, I think could start at, in many of the NFL organizations that are there. So for the running back coach, right? (laughs) Make sure they follow each other. Oh, come on. And then it's like, okay, well, let's use these pieces at running back and let's see what I can do to help put them in the best position possible because they're going to have some. I've never been this way. I've never been around an O-line like this in my life um, at all levels of sports from college to NFL. And, you know, it was exciting. And as a, as a staff, you come in and you're really trying to figure out your pieces, how you, you're building your offense, you're doing all, And it's like, you got to figure it out. I mean, we're figuring out our players. You're, you're learning. I walk into a room. I've never coached any of these guys before they got to learn my style I replaced the guy that had been here for a long time is really a, a legend in Eagles lore and those type of things and Deuce Staley and you know coming and building that and it's the same thing in all the rooms the one consistent the stout was still there and stout has been that guy all the time so the O-line didn't have to learn a new voice didn't have to learn a new teaching style a new coaching style now there were some systematic things that they had to learn but they were getting it from the same guy and he could use his similar verbiage to get him that point. So I think that's to me, as big as anything, the consistency of one of the largest position groups on the team, what the Eagles organization has done, because that doesn't happen at this level very often Mm. that a guy is able, okay, there's three different head coaches, but there's one consistent guy that this, it just doesn't happen. I mean, new staff comes in, it's like all their guys, it's this, Hey, this guy, and there's changes that were made, but they kept that piece consistent and you see the results of that. I mean, to lead the NFL Crazy. in rushing, really, yeah, that, right. I look at it, it's like that was the second half of the season. We really started running the ball halfway through. And it was like, okay. And we led the NFL in rushing because of that. And our quarterback can run. It's like, I'm a running back coach and we're running the heck out of football. <laughs> I'm like, they talk about all this good stuff. Yeah, I love Philly. Yeah, I love the organization. But I love to run the dang ball too. So that <laughs> part of it is right. It's just icing on the cake for me. Your chest must have been puffed out after that game against the Detroit Lions. I think we rushed for a record. It was, it was over 200 rushing yards anyway. It was unbelievable. Oh, it was great. And, you know, and 
this is this is one of the things I like. Now, Miles Sanders ain't gonna like it. He gets mad at me when I bring this up. But it's we were leading the, the NFL in rushing. We had all these games. We had all these two hundred plus yard rushing games, and not one running back had a, over a hundred yards for a good <laughs> stint. Now, Miles came back, got healthy, and then broke that. So I didn't get to say that, but. It, to me, that was just the epitome of the team. Like, it was like, okay, you got Boston Scott, and he's got 15 carries for 95 yards. And you got Jordan Howard came in, and he's got 13 carries for 89 yards. And then Kenny Gainwell, my little rookie, comes in, and he's scatting around for eight carries for this. And it was like, it was just such a great team effort that a team, like, it didn't matter. Like, we had guys in the game, and they were all on the same page and connected with the O-line. And it was awesome. Then Miles comes back in and he, you know, because he's an explosive player, boom, he, he has a game where he got 24 something carries and then he breaks my streak and we get to over 100 <laughs> yards. Yeah, I'm so mad. Yeah, right. But how important, that, that, how, much, how, how important is that to know you've got a running back by committee? Oh, Mark Sanders is an elite running back. Kenny Gainwell, we're really excited. I've got a question for you about him a bit. I think Phil might have a question about him for you. Um, how important is it though to just have a, a running back room you can trust to to learn the offense to be able to not just learn the offense but impact on the offense and make a difference and step up the reason this podcast is, is called next man up was during the philadelphia eagles um super bowl run and um, doug peterson kept saying next man up next man up next man up that's what we call the podcast how is it how important is that for you as a running back coach and as an assistant head coach to know that people can step up and you have that depth to be able to do that versus some teams you have just kind of a one string pony and like when they go down they kind of have to adapt their game yeah it's and I've been coaching the I played the position in college I've coached the position for a lot of years it's a violent position and, and sometimes people kind of forget that that it's one of the few positions that you're going to get hit probably every single play or you're going to have to hit someone on every single play and the physicality of the position is is tough and i've played and i've got i had fortunate ability to coach some phenomenal running backs you know i when i was with oakland we had beast mode so coach marshawn lynch and you know you look at a physical nature of how he plays but the problem is the body can only withstand so much and i think we see it you see this position is the the career life is extremely small um, the average, the durability piece. Now I say that, and I did Frank Gore was probably the most durable running back. He will go down as the most durable running back to ever play the game in the history of football. Um, but those guys are anomalies. They're not, they're not the norm. So it's, if you have one really good back, chances are you won't finish with one really good back. And I think the depth is extremely important. We talked about it with the offensive line that, Hey, our back, we, I mean, think about it. We lost two starting guards last year, two starters, not just average guys, veteran players a lot and had to replace them with other pieces. Well, if you have no depth, you're not doing that. And it's the same thing for us. I felt, you know, when Miles got hurt his foot and went down, then it was like, okay, next man up. I hate to see you afraid, but that's exactly yeah. what it was. That's going to cost you another double decker. Okay. <laughs> Give me a Twix for that one. Yeah, that's it. But it, it is, it, it's such an important thing. And I, when I got, got to Philly and we had the room, you know, Jordan Howard wasn't with the program at that time. He, he just finished the past year and He's a guy that I had a history with. I knew his running back coach in college extremely well. He went to his pro day and, you know, obviously what he had done at Chicago for those years. And he kind of just hit a rough patch like some guys do. 
but he was a piece that I thought I was like, man, can we get this guy back in the room? How do we get him back? And can he be, is he going to be in shape? All that stuff because I wanted the depth. Yeah. I wanted the opportunity to know that, I mean, we, as much as I would love Miles Sanders to play 16, 17 straight games now, right. And go without any nicks, without any injuries. I, I mean, that's, it's not realistic. You go through any running back in this league and look at them all. I mean, some say probably the biggest, strongest Derrick Henry. Well, what happened to Derrick Henry last year? It's really it's, interesting you say that, Coach. Sorry to cut across you just because we had a specific question from an Eagles fan over here in the UK, which is literally exactly what you're talking about. Uh, and that was like, why are running backs not as, you know, why did they go in the second round and the third round rather than, they, than, than going in the first round? I mean, we saw Saquon Barkley going really high, you know, a few years ago and he was incredible Penn State guy. I say that because I've got family in, in Philadelphia, so I'm, a, I'm also a Penn State fan myself. Yeah. Um, and but, but, you know, he was injured a couple of years ago. He came back last year for a bit, hasn't quite materialize i feel like i'm answering my own question you've already answered it but <laughs> yeah. you, you know what i mean like it's it, it is and that's and like you said running back right it is and unless you and unless you've played the position and unless you've been hit running the football by a large human being unless you've had a 350 pound defensive lineman fall on you and have all his weight crushing your soul i don't know if you truly understand that and it's that's it and that's that's part of it i mean there's risk and return right there's risk and return just in everything we do in life and i mean to take a first round back there's a lot of risk in that right it's hey we're gonna run the ball a lot or we're gonna but what if he gets hurt now that's the same for all the position groups we're gonna first round pick and get hurt no matter what he's playing but I think the, I won't say the problem but the other thing is you can find backs later in rounds that have shown and that's that's it it's not that the, I don't believe that the position has been devalued it's just been kind of reorganized like yeah hey, we don't well we maybe we, we can get a great back in the I mean Boston Scott I'll take Boston Scott over a hundred backs in the NFL right now <laughs> with the things that he does he was a six-round pick I mean, yeah. he, he got the name Giant Killer. I mean, you're talking about a guy. Oh, we love that over here, Coach. Um, right? Phil, Phil, one of your questions was literally about this earlier on, about late round backs and specifically about one which was picked up this year. Do you want to jump in here? Yeah, if you don't mind, Coach, I'll, I'll jump oh. in here. Um, it was more to do with, obviously, Kennedy Brooks that we picked up um, and drafted after, after everything. Um When it came to the draft and how much involvement you have in terms of the planning and what the Eagles planning to do what their general goal is um were you aware that obviously you probably were obviously being the running backs coach that they probably didn't that the need wasn't as great as as other areas so were you aware that there was very little intention to take a running back in uh, you know in the draft until at least maybe the later rounds or even undrafted free agents and if that was the case um in your pre-draft planning was were you sort of looking at the the, the likely people that were going to sort of be there at the end slash late rounds slash undrafted free agents. And then furling on from that, Kennedy Brooks, was he in the, the frame or was he just a guy that you kind of, you looked at the field and went, that's our guy. Yeah. You know, re really the process starts with that. And we, we watch a bunch, you know, a bunch of our scouts watch all the backs and, and that's kind of where, where my portion of the draft comes in. It's, it's the running backs, obviously the position group. So I'll evaluate, all of them, you know, and start, and I don't yeah. care if they potentially they're a first round draft pick score, nice. second round draft pick score. It's 
just the evaluation process for all of them. Because here's the thing about the draft, and you guys have followed it enough. You can plan whatever you want. You can plan to do this and A, B, C, and D, and we're going to do that. Well, what you don't know is that the other team that's got the pick before you or after you or has a plan too, and your plan and their plan don't always mesh. It'd be great. Hey, Devontae Smith, Smith last year, right? Well, well, think about it. You tell me what. Okay, which one of you, and I'm going to call you liars if you say yes, which one of you knew we were getting A.J. Brown? No, no, Which no. one of you even knew that was no, even no. something? Yeah, that, well, right? Zero. That's nope. zero, none whatsoever, you know? And there's, but that's that's the draft. So you I have- mean, I couldn't sleep for about seven hours after <laughs> I found out we got it. <laughs> no, no. Believe me, my phone was like, are you did it? Are you kidding? It's like, <laughs> like the greatest thing ever. It's like Howie, I think they were carrying him in a parade down the street. Yeah. The first pick. Uh, but but no, that's that's but that's how the draft goes. So no, yes, there's some of that. Like, hey, I mean, I got Miles Sanders, got Boston Scott, Kenny Gainwell shown at a rookie that he's more than capable to play at this level and be successful. So there was there's that. So okay, yeah, I got three guys in the room. What are the needs that we have? I get it. But you have to be prepared for every situation that could possibly unfold. And it's there's so many iterations when you go through and I, all the computer analytics and all that stuff, they run that. And it's just like, okay, the algorithms are just crazy. It's because there's humans involved. And when there's humans involved, it screws everything up. I love that. But it's it, it that's me. So you have to be prepared. So what if a guy that we have ranked as a late first round or early second round guy falls to the third? Well, now you're looking at the value of the positions like, my gosh, we're getting what we feel is a sec first round, second round guy. We're getting him late in the third. Oh, the value is too big. The value is too big. You got <laughs> right. And that, but it, it, all that stuff changes and it's fluid. But yeah, for me, it was like, yeah, I've got three great guys. I'm still evaluating the other guys. I went to a couple pro days, saw some of the kind of top backs. We did interviews with those guys. It was great. We were able to get back to the combine this year. And you got a chance to see a bunch of those guys in the same place, talk to them, interview them, all that. So the process is, is the process and it doesn't matter what hey we're probably we're going to take it back later or we're thinking we're going to take it back later doesn't matter my process stays the same whether we're picking we have two picks whether we have one pick it's just because you have to be prepared for every scenario that could come up and really the preparation part for me is knowing what I think about the players and that's me and scouts and personnel so it's not like it's just a one-man show and those things but it is it's you're you're going through and you do have the so that undrafted piece is a whole nother can of worm. Like it's like right. y'all, y'all don't see like that's not televised. The NFL Network no. could care less about the, the eight million calls that we're making after the draft, and <laughs> it's it's wild. I'm telling you, it's wild. I likened it to. What's it like? Tech, Tell us about it. What's it like? Tell us. About it's it. like taking the college recruiting process that goes on for years and cramming it into a window of about an hour. <laughs> and you're and it's it's crazy because you're like, okay, we now we gotta we got all our draft. This is where now, we gotta get to ninety. We got to get to 90 players and it may be, Hey, we got to sign eight undrafted free agents. Hey, we need 12 or, Hey, we need, we need a back. We need all it's, it's well, there's a lot this year as well. There's quite a lot of undrafted free agents that people sign this year as well. Right. Yeah. You have, you have to get your numbers. 
And it's yeah. like, okay, we got to get into the offseason. We got to get into training camp with our 90 to make sure you got the players. And then there's that little piece of, let's leave a couple of spots in case something like <clears throat> Bradbury shows up later in the game. <laughs> you want to make sure that you have spots for that. So it's it, it's a whole process. So to your point, yeah, there was some, hey, we probably might not take it back. We might take take it back but it did that doesn't affect me i have to go through the exact same process every year to right. make sure we're prepared for any scenario that arises i love that just yeah, to follow on from that sorry if, yeah. I, if i may liam it, it leads it kind of leads into the, the other question i had and, I, and i'll try not to touch too much on it but uh, you you mentioned about the combine and the, and the pre-draft um sort of involvement that you have um did you go anywhere particular to look at any particular talent did you sort of have anyone in particular mind that you really wanted to just go and see from a personal perspective or from a from an Eagles uh, coach perspective yeah and you know I'll, I'll kind of go back to a little bit what I talked with the Bengals so when I was there when you were quasi scout that was a huge part of what you did so I right. probably went to 12 to 15 pro days looking at all different guys because you really were a, a huge part of that because there was maybe five or six personnel guys whereas here you have an entire staff so you kind of, and that, that was part of it. I would work my own schedule. I would figure out, okay, got to get see this guy, this guy, this part of the country and work all that with my evaluations. With the Eagles, it's a little bit different, um, similar to some of the other places I've been. You have scouts. So while I may not be at a running back workout, there's somebody's there. And that the scout that's in that area scout is there. Um, there may be another position coach that's there for that. So I went to a couple of them. Um, and again, just, I went to Brees Hall's pro day. I went to Kenneth Walker's pro day. I went I to kind of the, what we kind of had as the top backs um, kind of, as you look at it and really, I mean, two really explosive and they kind of were the, the guys that kind of went up there the highest um, and kind of what you thought they would, but that kind of. How good is Brees Hall going to be in 2022, 20, 23? Like, yeah. He seems to be like, well, it's not quite Saquon Barkley levels of like excitement about what he's going to do, but I feel like I mean, an NFL UK fan rather than just an Eagles UK fan, he seems to have like a similar level of excitement about him. Yeah, well, I mean, he went to another team, so I think he's going to be terrible this year. Yeah, <laughs> coach, he, coach, he just wants fantasy tips. He's, he's just trying to speak yeah, fantasy no. tips. <laughs> yeah, no, no, believe me. Uh, you know how many of my mates I've had. How many shares have you got, Liam? How I many shares? I've got, I've got quite a few shares in, in Bryce Hall. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Yeah, he just, his heart was all out on the table right there. He's letting us know what was going on. <laughs> but no, I mean, in, again, he's, he's a good guy. He just, it, it's still a projection. It's, it's still a projection because the, the college game and the NFL game, they're so different. And especially for a rookie, especially for a rookie running back, um, it all that's it changes. You go from 12 games, maybe even if you go play in the national championship, 16 games, it's to where it's like, hey, 17 weeks plus three preseason. I always tell people, especially on the coaching side, to ask me, well, hey, what's one of the differences? I was like, well, in the NFL, I basically coach two college seasons in one season. And that's what it feels like. And you hear the rookies hit the wall. They come to December and they're thinking, okay, finals should be having. We got a couple <laughs> weeks off before we go to the bowl game. And it's good. Like, uh, no, bro, we're still two months. We got two months left on our schedule that we're still playing. So it's tough. So projection for rookies, not especially one that didn't even at the Eagles. I'm not worried about him. No. Yeah. <laughs> good man. That's what we like to hear. Mick, you got some questions there, bud? I was just going to, I was just maybe going to bring in a discussion about, um, Kenny Gainwell and and how you know you said that the transition from college to the NFL is huge and obviously Kenny Gainwell when he he was drafted by us um, last season 
it was obviously it was your first season with the Eagles as well. So you're both sort of new to the organization. And obviously Kenneth had that um, year out with COVID as well. So he was away from the game for about a year. How how did you sort of find you know your relationship with, with Kenneth in that first year and to, to bring him up to speed with the NFL after being out for an entire year? Yeah, you know, that's it's a great question because you are talking about a guy that opted out and really only played a year of college football. You know, really was a starter for that one year um, from at Memphis. And it was it was tough because we didn't have a combine. There weren't any pro days because of COVID. So everything was virtual. So everything, every interaction that I had with Kenny was on Zoom. It was like we're doing here. It's just. <laughs> meeting with and that's and you're trying to build a relationship and have meetings and, and all that stuff so it was it was a very unique dynamic now i i like the i'm a techie guy so i'm, I'm in the tech i'm air force academy guy so for me i can i feel i have a good handle on navigating that stuff and doing some things to kind of pull out some information that you kind of need when you do that but it was it was different and again there was there was concern i mean you did you just don't always know especially with that scenario of okay how is he going to pan out how is he going to go? And there was, there were struggles. There was rookie struggles. The mental part of the game is what's the biggest, especially, for right. running backs. Yeah. especially for running backs. And, and the thing I say about that is because there's so many college systems where for the running back, he doesn't always have to know a whole lot. There's just some simple things that now I've coached in, I've coached in a lot of different football styles. I'm in the air raid. I've been in the triple option. I've been in pro style, I've been in West coast, all the different systems. And when you take a guy from a college system, that's maybe a little bit more RPO zone read, the protection piece can blow their mind because they okay. don't, I mean, they've had one protection in college for three to four years. That's the only thing they had to learn. They come to the NFL and we have basically 65 different protections that we're doing and learning and all the different calls off of that. And it's like, oh, that, and for me, that's always the biggest piece. Guys can run the football. I mean, that How do you part coach that coach? Because you've already, you've, you're incredible. I, I just say how incredible you are. Because you're answering questions fans have sent in without us even asking them. Literally, one of the questions from our fan base in the UK was, and I quote, I'm literally reading it, how do you scout and assess pass blocking and run blocking from the running back position coming out of college when they rarely do it? It's, you're talking, the hardest part of my job is that piece. Because we know at the end of the day, and, it, and this is a phrase I tell these backs all the day, usually the guy that makes the most money on the team is the quarterback. Yeah. Okay, you're the last line of defense to protect the most expensive guy on the football team. And I'm looking at tape and you haven't had to do that once. And right. there's guys that are phenomenal talents and haven't blocked a rusher in their entire life. They just aren't asked to do it. They haven't had to do it. So there's really, there's two things. There's two things that I look at and they got to show up. And one is a willingness. Is he willing to do it? And that's where the toughness piece comes in. You know, and I, I use the phrase all the time. Will he stick his face in there? Will he literally just stick his face yeah. in the contact and attack it? If he'll do that, boom, we got a chance. We're off to a good start. Mick, Second will, do that. Is, Mick will do that for you. If you need a running back. Just headbutt right there. That's perfect. Maybe not in the field, maybe in a pub. But Yeah, but, but hey, you passed phase one, Mick, so you're on to the next level. <laughs> All right? The next piece is the mental capacity piece. Like, and football, FBI, you hear that term, football intelligence, all that, the smarts, 
is it's a different measurement. Like you don't have to be a smart academia to have football smarts. Like you may oh, have I mean, the worst yeah. grades and test scores ever, but you have football sense and football smarts. And there's, it's different. There's different. I know some of the smartest men I played at the air force Academy with some really, really, really smart men that are stupid on a football field that I would have no idea what that so there, there's no correlation between that but that's the other piece is can't do they have the mental capacity to absorb the information we're going to give them but also can they process it can we go from the basically the meeting room to the football field then that so if they have those two pieces that's where I have to make my money. That's where I have to, that's where my job comes in. Now, how do I teach them the fundamentals of doing that? So I need, they need to have the willingness. They need to have the understanding. And then I need to help them with the development of fundamentals of all the details of what it takes to block someone, mm. you know, and that's where you get into the, really the detail. And Nick is, it's, it's awesome when we talk about our core values and Nick Sirianni, so I'm talking about our head coach, talk about our core values and fundamentals, fundamentals, fundamentals. Like that's, that's a huge piece. And that's a huge piece in football. And for me, the pass protection fundamental piece is huge. Everything from how do I set my hands? How do I punch my body position, my leverage, all those details. That's the stuff that I have to teach them when they come to league. Now you get a guy that's in a pro style offense. He's had a bunch of protections. You see it on tape. Awesome. You can get that evaluation there but they're far and few between. I mean, there's just not many of them. Like you're like the person who asked the question. Yeah, they don't do it. And the majority of the guy there, the college game isn't doing that as much. So it's, it's tough. It, it is a tough piece of it and you got to learn. But I think at the end of the day, if a guy's tough, 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 he's got a mental capacity. And really at the end, of the day, if he loves football, he's going to find a way to do it. I'm going to help him get to that point. And Kenny is a perfect example of that. And I went, not that I got to show up some film, but, I mean, I, you look at Kenny early in the year because we asked Kenny to do a lot in the role that he played. You saw yeah. Kenny in on in two minutes. He made some huge blocks, oh. like in, in the season, like where he was not supposed. If you if you'd looked at the guy, he was going to block side by side before that play happened, and he made that block. You'd be like, he's going to get run over. <laughs> and, and he he's a big. He's got heart. Kept someone it chips. Is. It is, yeah. and that's that physical piece that he wanted to. And it and you look at it too early, right? It's and sometimes you just don't see it unless you know the protection. And as a coach, obviously I know, God, he, he busted, he missed it. That was his fault. And I love that the announcers like, Oh, the left tackle should have been there. And I'm like, nah, that was the running back. That should have been. <laughs> <laughs> but that you saw some of that early from Kenny. And I, it was like, it was a great dynamic. There's a San Francisco game, free runners. That's a, that's one of my big free runner. No, if you get ran over, if you miss your block, that's great. But no free runners. We're not going to let guys come. Now, if they're playing zero, you ain't got no choice. But yeah. not our one of our responsibilities should not be running free at the quarterback. And that happened early on, right? And that happened in those roles. And then you go fast to late, and he had one of the toughest pressures that we get when the looks, and he did it to perfection. Check, boom, and bounce outside. And it was like that was his growth as a player. And that's, nice. that's the piece. And that's when you, you kind of knew that, hey, okay, he can handle this piece of it. He can do it. He's physical. He's tough. He's strong. And I think it, you know, the sky's the limit for him as he continues to grow. Cause we threw him in the fire. He was our two minute back. You know, you see him in two minute situations. He was running some third downs because of his route running ability. Yeah. But if you're out there on third down, that's the, that's the exotic. That's the, Hey, every blitz that you've seen or no man, you don't see it on third downs. And that's, that was a tough thing for him, but to watch him grow, not crumble under any of that pressure and really go, it was really good for us to see.
That's awesome. I mean, I've got like two two questions left before we get into the game. Are you still okay for time, Coach? Yeah, I'm I'm good. We're I'm on I'm on vacation right now. Oh so. my man. So before I go into my questions, I just want to throw it because I've talked a lot in this podcast already. Uh, Mick, Phil, have you guys got any questions you want to throw, Coach? Before I give a couple more, one from the fan base, uh, two from me, and then we'll get to the most important part of the podcast, which is helping Coach choose his. UK football team. Yeah. I, I, well, I do I do have I do have one. Um uh the probably most famous video for Eagles fans of you in the in the audibles um in the training <laughs> doing the drop kicks. Yeah. Uh, remember that one? Yeah, cool. <laughs> of course, yeah. <laughs> how much how much of that is from your roots? So maybe rugby, maybe soccer. Is there is there anything like when you're bragging about, you know, you ain't seen a coach done drop kick before? Uh, well, there's there's probably a little bit of history. So my my uncle when I was a kid was the president of the Milton Kings rugby club. Oh wow. And so <laughs> that piece of it, and seeing us say, so yeah, there there is definitely a tie. Now I will say it's funny, I'm actually here in Stillwater, Oklahoma. This is really the home kind of, this is where I truly developed my drop kicking skill. It started when I was at Air Force at Contain here. And me and a, an equipment manager here used to do it during stretching before. And I will say, I used anywhere we traveled, I've always kind of just been a drop kick guy. I was a, I was a special teams coordinator with the University of Arkansas when I was there for a while. So just to, to is with our party trick, coach? Is that what you're trying to tell us here? This is your, uh, it's, you know, this is your party trick to impress so, but, the girls? Think about it. I mean, think about it. I said it on the day. How many running back coaches in the NFL can drop kick, right? I tell you, like I might be one of 32. That's it. That's it. So, but it's always fun to do that. Now I will say this. Yeah, our kickers always know how to do it. I don't mess with Aaron. Aaron, our punter, he's, you know, he's got the back in Australian roots yeah. too. But no, that it there's a little bit of that because that's kind of where you saw. It. And then I've just kind of over the years, just that's been my my party trick that I do pre-practice. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. So it's it's this one you're on now, that Milton Keynes rugby club. Like I, I remember we, we were we were chatting. It's like 20 minutes away from me, like your brother's in Northampton, right? Um, yeah. which is like 30 minutes away from me. So I'm gonna say right now, coach, now next time you're coming over to see the family, we're gonna go out and we're gonna have a drop oh. kick competition. Oh local oh. field, me and you. Oh, far from me either. What Just ball are we using? It, because, you know, well, I'm being honest, an NFL ball is way tougher to drop kick than the big inflated animals that they use over there. Well, I played Gaelic football in Ireland growing up, and they were a lot harder than the English football <laughs> balls they use over here. Don't you worry, coach. I'll let you cover <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that might be the podcast of all podcasts. That would be that thing off. <laughs> I love it. Mick, have you got some questions for Coach before we move on to a couple of the families? Um, yeah, why not? Um, let's see what I can cook up. Uh, just one, from what you were saying earlier, actually, Coach, about the, the running backs taking a lot of hits and, you know, you have to try and protect these guys um, as much as you can. How important is it what the Eagles are doing with their OTAs? And having such a reduced um, sort of contact during them, and you know, in your first season, obviously with Nick Sirianni, sort of has been um, putting this in place for, for the whole organisation to try and keep the team as healthy as possible. And uh, is that is that what you're seeing, or would you rather your guys get more reps? Or 
No, and I, I think in the offseason, when you really look at kind of what you're doing anyway, I mean, the NFL rules, we're just in helmets. So it's not, we never put on the full pads. We never, the full contact. So contact's already kind of limited, but it, it is amazing when you look throughout the league, how many, you, you guys see it. You see the injuries and players that get hurt during offseason training and all that. And I think that's one of the, you know, a great thing that the Eagles organizations does is our player health piece of it is extremely important. And, and it's, it's such a science-based deal now, like our players with the GPSs that they wear at practice, so we can gauge their max speed yardage, we can, their total output work, all that stuff. And our, our director of sports performance, Ted Rath, is, is all that, and it's, it's all charted. So we're using basically scientific information to make sure we're making decisions. How we practice is really determined, okay, well, what did we do yesterday? How did they do, what was their output? Hey, okay, we need to lower it. And I think at the end of the day, the most important piece for us in the NFL, when you look at, okay, you got a 53 man active roster, you get 46 to 47 active players on game day. Those numbers are small and we see it. A season can be derailed by losing a couple key players. And I think for us, what's been great, you look at our off season numbers and not that it's all voluntary anyway, but the numbers were way up there. I mean, the number of players that were actually in the building practicing and doing that because they knew, okay, you know what? These guys actually have my interests at heart. We're not going to be out there flying around and tripping and guys getting hurt doing that. We're going to work. And don't get me wrong. All you got to do is ask when those guys walking off the field after practice, oh, they're still tired. It's just we did it in a way that we could limit the amount of exposure to major injuries they could have. They're going to happen. But that's just a part of what we've done. It's like, hey, let's really focus on some of the fundamental pieces of it. That's what our footwork, our hand placement, our movement, those type of things. We're going to get all this stuff in training camp. We're going to have plenty of time to work some of that stuff. It's just, it's just nowadays for the body and with the extended season and just how things go, you have to be smart. You have to take care of your players if you want to be successful on Sundays. And Saturdays and Tuesdays, all the different games. <laughs> so you just you gotta you gotta take care of your player, and I think that was a a big part of it. And uh, that's the great thing I think about Nick's leadership. He involves the players, like he talks to the veterans and sees some of the things they want. I I'm not gonna put, but I think Jason Kelsey, because of how we practice, because of the way things run, I think he's like man, yeah, this is great. It's yeah. not killing my body. If we were out there practicing three and a half year, hours a day, an older guy like him may say, you know what? I can't do it anymore. And but I think he's, talk, he's almost elongating his career, right? It, it, and I think that's, that's for everybody. And I'm, I'm a position group that definitely, definitely. Why? I think every back in their span of playing ball has a certain number of hits that they can take. It's just, we don't know what that number is and everybody's is different. So if I can limit those hits, when we're just practicing or in the off season, then okay, maybe it can, maybe can, we can help a guy play a little bit longer. Maybe he gets to play a few more games that if you hadn't practiced that way, he wouldn't have had an opportunity to do. So that's it to me. That's extremely important at this level is you got to take care of your players. Risk and people mitigation. Sorry, Michael, I'm going to be in a second. Risk and people um, mitigation, you know, in, in terms of challenges is so important for organizations which are not sports teams all around the world. So why wouldn't an organization look at the risks of performance, i.e. an injuries being a primary risk of that? This isn't general, this isn't necessarily a question for you. It's just an observation of what you're saying. It makes perfect sense. You know, why shouldn't those be a huge part of what you're planning for? Because we want those 
players on the pitch, as you say, on you know a Monday, a Monday night yeah, or a Tuesday morning. If you're so you're a fan over here, sometimes you can't yeah. stay up too late, right? Um, that, that's that, that's a, a huge, huge deal. We saw it, and before you started working and working for the Eagles, um, when we had thirteen different offensive lines, um, when just before Carson or Carson left, and that was, you know, was a lot of different stories you talked about that, but that was hugely debilitating for the Eagles front office um, attack, whatever you want to call it, like completely limiting. So why wouldn't you do that? Nick, I know you were you were chatting about on the last podcast, like you want to see a little bit more about it. I don't know if that was you just just you played devil's advocate or not to spice up the audience. But anyway, you, you don't need to retort now. But you, you throw me in under the bus in front of the coaches. Shite behavior. <laughs> yeah. Shite behavior. Hey, at least I haven't called you Welsh, which is what Colleen will call. Well, <laughs> that's that's true. The, the last question I had for you, coach, was um, are the Air Force winning Mountain West this year? <laughs> my birds, you know. Now you you get the other birds, the other birds <laughs> getting near and dear to my heart now, and that's that you know, and it's it really like that to me. That that's another place. Like as a military brat, you move so much, but you gravitate to certain places. Like for me, England over there with my family and the Air Force Academy, like that. I lived there for such a long time. Like that was as a student, as a player, as a coach. You know, really there. Two time captain. Yeah, I've I've, I've so, read I mean, online. Oh, <laughs> I've done my research. I've done my research. Yeah. Look at the bio. <laughs> I see you. All right, but no, I I love the birds. I do, and uh, and that's it's perfect. I've got two different kinds, and uh, so quick little story. So our head equipment manager at the United States Air Force Academy is a guy that a phenomenal. We are very close friends. His name is Dan Sermon, right? And he is the hugest Eagles fan. Like he grew up in North in Philly is the whole time. So even when I was a player and all that stuff and I, I didn't have, didn't know the, the background there and he, we keep in touch all the time. And I remember, so when the Eagles were calling around to learn, cause I didn't know anybody on the staff at the Eagles. I didn't know Nick had never worked with him. Hadn't worked with anybody that was there. Um, kind of got in the mix. And so they made calls. Well, the head equipment guy at the Eagles is really good friends with the head equipment guy at Air Force Academy. And actually, they, he kind of helped him get the job with the Eagles um, 10 years ago. So they called him when they were kind of doing my background check on that. And it just, it's crazy because he was the guy, he's like, Jamal, this is different. I'm like, what are you talking about? I was like, it's my Eagles. This is different. <laughs> and he's kind of, we've been there all along. He's like, this is my Eagles. Yeah. And I was like, why didn't you tell me how great it was before? He's like, you weren't ready. You weren't ready. <laughs> <laughs> like now you're ready and you're ready to go. And it's, it's, so it's, that was a part. So there's, so we are even like to probably tighter now than even what we've been over the past year. So that's my, that's my home that I'm, I'm connected there. My, me and my wife got married in the cadet chapel there. Um, it's all that. So nothing, I hope those guys win every single game they can play. They've been good. They've been good. I mean, they just had a guy drafted. Their D lineman just got drafted this past year. They had a couple guys in uh, that were undrafted and going to camp. So, yeah, watch out for for my other birds in the Mountain West. They, 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 they seem to do. They was going absolutely so well until we started talking about the Air Force. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah, my Navy, my Navy guy. Yeah, yeah, no, my Navy guy. Like, I mean, I've even been to the Naval Academy in, in um, South Carolina, in, in, in Charlestown, 
uh, Charleston, sorry. Um, <laughs> and yeah, it, it, like you guys with the armed forces it is incredible how you how you appreciate armed forces and, and your experiences as well, coach, with being in in Europe with your family and 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 all that sort of stuff. Like you know, hats off to you guys, but it's just a shame that it, you couldn't be. <laughs> a supporter of the navy football team because then you and me would just be friends for life but unfortunately that's just not meant to be yeah okay. so i i do have to say this i do have to say this so the service academies you got west point you got and obviously i've been to all of them visit there and it's cool it is it is a unique 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 situation and, you know football is is a huge piece for those guys there but at the end of the day it's such a very small piece of what they're going out to do after they graduate and when they move from there and i always say that i root for the service academies when they're playing i root for them to beat other teams because i i honestly feel this this feels like, like a backtrack to me but yeah it's not it's <laughs> that uh, commander-in-chief okay, trophy gets awarded at the end. yeah, yeah. Exactly. if they're playing air force we're having an entirely different discussion <laughs> but, but it's it's that piece i've always said it's this the same kind of guys the same guys on the field it's you got 22 players on the football field you could just change their jerseys and the game would be very much the same they are so similar because of what they're going to be asked to do the lifestyles that they're going to have to lead after they play football the type of things for a guy to go through the rigors of those academies for the different services is is unbelievable so i i love service academy football i always keep up i you know we're still gonna you know those navy guys that, that navy triple there. option oh, that yeah. navy triple yeah. option i hate that oh so it's <laughs> Like, and it's funny because they're all running a very similar offense and all that stuff. So it's 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 really cool. But no, that that's I'm a I'm Air Force guys, and you know, and it's been a part of it. And I, I love that place in the foothills. And you ever get it? You want to go to see a game? You ever want to go see a, a really neat football game? Go catch a service academy football game where they're playing each other for the commander's chief. And it's it's different. The pageantry pregame yeah. is. Um, I absolutely love that. That's awesome. All right, coach. We got a we got a couple of questions here before we get into your your new soccer team. Yeah. team. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna quick fire a couple of you here rather than take too long over it. For <laughs> Devin Allen, a uh, new wide receiver for the Eagles. Oh, yes. Right, he's uh, just 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 nearly broke the, the record, and uh, yeah. you know give it give a day. What chances of him being a dual-purpose wide receiver running back for Eagles this year? <laughs> you see him catching balls out of the backfield. And Is he like, the Depot? Hey, have you been listening at all on this podcast? Did you not just hear us talk about how tough it is to play running back? <laughs> Are you trying to get my man hurt before he even runs a post route down the field? What's going on? No, it's it's funny you say that because it's that's always the receivers always go, hey, man, what? Look. I could take a handoff. I was like, yeah, but can you pass block? I need you to pass block. <laughs> but no, it, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting to see him. I watched, you know, I watched his race and yeah, I, I love the, I love the banner from that room about who's the fastest and all that. And it's, it's that you, just, you, sort of, you, you must have seen firsthand the slay the slay uh, conversation oh yeah of course and they're talking no and it's that part's fun but yeah it's gonna it's gonna be interesting to see see him come back play some football because we all know he can run i mean that's that's that piece is definitely there and uh just getting can anyone in the eagles um, in the eagles team right now can anyone be him um on a foot race can, come on coach you've seen him on the field i know 
it's crazy because there's there's football fast and there's track fast. They're two right. different things sometimes. Yep. And uh, it'd be interesting. There's some guys who move, but if I'm I'm going with the guy that's been doing running for a living, that's okay. that's the guy that's probably got my money to start that's with. That's a good answer. You know, and that's, that's it. <laughs> he's been training for that. Um, so I think he's probably the fastest guy on the team right now. All right. Well, you know, I know, I know uh, betting isn't legal all, all the way over there in the U.S. sometimes. So if you ever want to put a bet on Sky Bet, just hit me up. I'll put a bet on for you. We're going to need a disclaimer on this podcast from the NFL. Coach Singleton did not take part in any gambling activities. I'm kidding. I'm trying to make me lose my job. What's going on? You know, I'm kidding. You know, Yes, sir. Amazing. So, talking about players who could play different positions but could also play running back, we touched on my guy earlier. I said, my guy, our guy. Jordan Mayalata, you know, we watched him, we watched him come, you know it's coming, you know it's coming. Yeah, I saw the tweets, I saw the tweets. (laughs) So, so like, this guy blew it up when he was in Australia, and he's, he, he ruined guys' lives blowing through them in Australia playing rugby. Uh, Give this guy, he's a bit bigger now, obviously, and he's going to stick bigger, I think he was voted the second or third most valuable left tackle in the league on, on a recent NFL uh, dot com or certainly a huge NFL um, reporters tweet recently. Wait, um, uh, uh, hold on. We're t- are we talking about the thingamabob? Is that who we're talking about? <laughs> From the same the singing ah, thing. Ah, the, <laughs> the, 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 the mass singer over there. No, no, no. no. So there's, there's, oh, you know, baby. There's, there's, yeah, we've seen there's, that. There's two okay. separate things, but one, yeah, you're right. Yeah, okay, okay. Um, he should definitely just be a singer, Robert Nundrick. Um, <laughs> Come on, give, give the guy a plate. I want to see him play. Come on, coach. Can you get us? Can you get us? Um, Jordan Mailata was one yard out from the goal line this year for the Philadelphia Eagles. Give him the ball, let him crunch it in for a touchdown. <laughs> All right, I'm, hold on. I'm going to switch roles just real quick. I'm going to ask a question. Okay. I'm going right, to ask right. a question right here. Okay, Liam, okay. here's a question to you Would you rather punch Mick in the face <laughs> or let Mick punch you in the face? Um, I would rather let Mick punch me in the face because if I punched him in the face, the repercussions will be way worse. Ah, uh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, here's the thing, Jordan. Why, if you're an offensive lineman and you get to hit people, why would you want to allow them to hit you? Yeah. Okay. So I like I now I'm I'm gonna twist it now. I would love to line Jordan Mulata up at the fullback position. I love to let Boston Scott be right behind him because you wouldn't see him. And I would love for him to be our goal line heavy downhill. And we've all seen the screen where he just obliterated that poor defensive back. We've all seen that picture. So if they would let me work with him as a fullback, oh, it'd be great. I think, I think, but come on, coach. I mean, look how happy (laughs) Lane Johnson was last season. Okay, see, different. That's different. I, I know he didn't say throw him a pass. Yeah, he said you want to, he was a receiver, not a yeah, running back. I know, back. I know. But still, look at the joy in his face. He oh, wanted to jump up into the crowd. He couldn't quite make it. He he tried, but look at like the in a, in a garbage man time TV. play. Come on, make oh. it happen, coach. Make it happen. <laughs> what tell, you what, tell you what, coach, coach, coach. We, we yeah. won't let you. We won't let you in on the podcast because we know that hundreds of millions of people listening to this podcast. So we wouldn't want you to, you know, give away your tactics for Eagles this season. So <laughs> what we will do, though, Coach, is if it does happen, we're definitely tagging you. Yeah, there you go. There you go. That's it. Fourth and one on the goal line. 
just... Jordan Mailer picks up the rock. Just give us two nods for yes, it's going to yeah, happen. No. One shake for no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. I'll hop on one foot right before the play. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, coach. Let's get down to it. Come on. Let's get serious. You, you, serious are, you are here for though. one reason and one reason only. Let's be absolutely honest with it. And that is choose your for now and forever English, British. I can't. I'm gonna take notes. You need. Oh wow! Oh wow! He's prepared. Coach, yeah. you, coach, you gotta get. You gotta get that mark around, man. You gotta get this out. Let's go. So we've got Phil. I'm gonna pass this over to you. And if you're failing miserably in your stats, I'll jump in. Uh, I'm joking. Stats, stats. <laughs> I'm joking. Um, <laughs> we've got what six, six? I think we've lined up six teams, coach. Whoa. Um, in total, three of which are our teams. We won't tell you which team is our team. Although, if you've been listening into the earlier part of Cocash, you might know what some of mine. Time. I got one, I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, we got your, we got, we got a team that you know, and we a team that we know you've had a jersey of in the past, and we have two of our teams in every thrown action. So, without further ado, I will pass over to my illustrious co-host Phil, the Fence Mount Stevens, to critique. <laughs> so. Uh... Let's find your soccer team, coach. Um, yeah, so Liam pretty much alluded to where we're going to start with this. So we, we picked out a few for you to choose from. Um, from Some from our Eagles fan uh, WhatsApp group um, and obviously three from three from us guys. So I'll, I'll talk you through the for initial five uh, options and you can possibly make your decision off those five. We've got a little wild card to throw in at the end. And hey, Phil, I reckon let's go one by one. Let's go one by one. Get yeah. Okay, so first one up, close friend of the pod, uh, former former British and Irish Eagles uh, stalwart, Anthony Bullock, um, big Notts Forest fan, Nottingham Forest uh, in the uh, East Anglia sort of area of England. Um, sort of a team that has been in the doldrums for quite a few years now. Um, they've had a bit of success this season and they've recently got promoted back to the, the top flight of English football. So they're, they're on the up, they're on the up there. They've got a lot, they've got a young manager, a lot of excitement, uh, exuberance around the team. Um, will they do well? Will they go back down? Will they get relegated again? Who knows? Um, but we can't, we can't tell you that. You, you know, this is, all, this is all we can tell you at the moment. So Illustrious history uh, as well, Phil. Illustrious history. Nottingham Forest won uh, the Champions League twice well, in the 1970s. They're a huge club coming back. Coming I was, back from... I was, I wasn't really going to touch on that bit because I'm sure Anthony's listening to this already with, uh, with, a, with um, uh, a severe semi. We've got to give him, <laughs> we've got to give him, we've got to give him fair game for every single club. So yeah, they, they, they are historically huge. successful club. Um, not so much in the last sort of uh, twenty years or so, but they're on the up again. So that's uh, exhibit A for you, coach. Ne <laughs> next one up, we've got um, a Scottish team. Uh, the most successful Scottish team, most successful club in history, um, Celtic, uh, Glasgow Celtic. Um, that says it all, really. Called the Hoops. Well, let, let, let's, let, let's, let's let Mick give give it. Let's all of us give our own team. So, Mick, go on. You tell us. You you, you paint your picture for Jamal here for coach and yeah. why he should choose Celtic as his football team. <sighs> I don't know if Jamal should choose Celtic as his football team. <laughs> but what, what I can tell you, coach, is if you're in Philadelphia, you can you can go down to Second Street 
you will find the Plowman, the Plowboys Bar. That is a Celtic supporters club based oh. in Philadelphia. You can watch the games at that bar. So you'll have a, a bit of camaraderie around around you where you are. And like Phil said, one of the most successful teams. We're a big fish in a small pond. Um, Celtic Football Club have been around since the 1800s, the, the also end of the 1800s, 1888. We were founded by um, an Irish priest, as it was. Um, and we have a fan base, and it's worldwide, as I said. We have a CSE and Celtic Supporters Club in Philadelphia. We've got them all over the United States. We've got them all over Europe. We've got them all over the world. It's a worldwide club. You've probably seen a green and white hooked top in your life at some point. And why would you want to be a part of that? Okay. So let me, I, I think, because this is awesome. I think this is going to be a key factor in my decision process right here. He said something that is simple. Now, if none of these other teams can match this in any stretch, I think we, I think we're done. But I'm I'll just talk about that. So if I can leave the Novacare facility and drive to somewhere within, let's say, 20 minutes, I'm gonna put it at 20 minutes. If I can drive to a place and watch the game with my fellow fans of that team, that might be the team I'm going with. So I. Liam, Phil, if your teams have nothing in Philly, oh, I might there be is fun. plenty more to go. Okay. Oh, maybe I this just, isn't just yet. But what I will I say just, is I deliberately left Mick off the detail and I didn't go into too much detail. I didn't hand it off to Mick because I was specifically instructed before the pod to kind of keep <laughs> it vague. I didn't want to influence your decision because Mick yeah. is a very strong Celtic supporter <laughs> and he was always going to make this case. And I knew this would happen. And it, the, the, the competition's over now. Like, let's face it. Oh, it's definitely not. It's definitely not. There's a couple more. I've got the Second Street Plow Street Bar. I've got the Second Street Plowboys Bar. All right. Okay. It's it's I don't start with the team. Start with the bar that I can go watch the team <laughs> at. Because if you can't start Wait, get with on. that, we're done. Quick, get on, on Google, Liam. You need Hang to find on. out where the Newcastle is. He was. Park. You didn't see him on his phone. You can see the <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I did. I was looking it up. I saw I've seen him furiously Googling after I said that. Yeah, well, what I will Big. say, Liam, you're Mick's come prepared. I think Coach, he before, a day. before you make this decision as to your final team of Celtic, if we cannot find what we're <laughs> looking for, a Philadelphia Newcastle bar or a Man United bar, which will be in, in Phil's case. What I will say is Mick made a very important point, which you should note down in your notes. And he said a big fish in a small pond. And there's a really good reason for that. Celtic play in the Glasgow Premier League. They do not play in the UK. There's no such thing as a Glasgow Premier League. Come on. Sorry. This is just an ignorant Irishman trying to sway your views. Um, They play in the Scottish Premier League. And there has only been two teams who have won more than three championships in the last 60 years, probably. In Scotland, probably that, because he doesn't know. Coach, he doesn't uh, know. Mick, Mick, he has no idea. He doesn't understand. Scottish Premiership. It's a, it's, a, it's an exclusive <laughs> club, and me and you can 
both be a part of that exclusive club. Coach, Coach, about the wanna, wanna, Money hey, I just have to say this. Mick came with it. Like, he had details. He, I think he wrote a whole report. He's got work cited pages. I mean, I'm digging this. Like, it's this isn't just fandom. This is research. Like, that part, he's care. taking it to another level. I don't know, guy. I'm just saying, Newcastle is falling off. The Still, I haven't quite heard who your team is. Oh, is it Manchester? It's Man definitely not going to live up to the same of this. <laughs> and I'll get They're conceding to you, Mick. You've beaten their soul. That's all. <laughs> you just We're hungry dogs. Um, <laughs> so, well, go on then, Liam. Newcastle, go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> oh, uh, I was going to wait. He's still got to get... I do want to finish my retorting, but so I was rudely inter interrupted by Mick, and that is, if you do choose to choose Celtic, you need to bear in mind that there are only a, there's, there's only two teams you can win a division in their league, which is Rangers and Celtic. They're the only two teams you can win it. They win it every year for the last 50 years. They never get to the Champions League, which is like made it to the playoffs. But in, in the, the Champions playoffs. League this year in the group stages, bitch. Well, yeah, so you're in the group stages, but you'll never make it out of them. You'll never win. <laughs> you'll never know because Newcastle will never be there ever well, again. We will. No, you won't. Nick, you had your turn. No, no amount of Saudi money put you back in the championship. Order, I, order, I almost order, feel like I'm order, now the moderator. Order. I went to the guest to now the moderator, the host. This is kind of cool. We switched the whole dynamic. All right, all right. I'll, tell, I'll tell you why you should support Newcastle United. You should support Newcastle United because... They can actually win a trophy of importance, which Celtic can't. Which um, trophy is that? Well, the the Carabao Cup. The Champions League. The Carabao Cup. Are you gonna Are you gonna be quiet or just like continue to mouth off? Like, what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> um, the reason you support Newcastle, regardless of Celtic, let's leave them out of it. And uh, you know, Newcastle are a working class town, and they have been for. Well, their entire existence. Newcastle has been a blue-collar town. They've not had a lot of money. So the whole city, the whole city is the club. So like Philadelphia, everything revolves around the club. And if the club aren't doing well, it feels like the city aren't doing well. And, and, and when the club are doing well, it feels like it gives people who aren't doing very well a bit of a lift in their lives. And gen genuinely serious. Because I'm not from Newcastle. I'm from Dublin and Ireland. And I chose them because they had a lot of connotations regarding Dublin. The people are really friendly. They're really nice. They're not the same Philadelphia fans in, in, in terms of aggression. I will, I will say that. Um, <laughs> but they, they're also very honest with their team and with their coaches. And they will protest. They will march. They'll make it heard that they are really unhappy with the level of football they're playing. Historically, we've won loads of trophies in our history. So in the 50s and 60s, Newcastle, one of the best clubs in the world, football-wise. We won the Champions League in 1969. We won the Premier League or the same, the same type of Premier League three or four times in the 50s. Yes, that's a long time ago, but like Philadelphia, they hadn't won, a, they hadn't won anything in years until they won the Super Bowl um, recently. Um, I will be completely honest and say in the last 10 to 15 years, we had an incredibly bad owner who um, basically tried to profit out of our club and has recently been has recently sold the club. So in the last 10 to 15 years, we haven't won much, but we're massive on the rise. And maybe not for the best reason in the world. 
because we have been bought out by the Saudi royal family, basically. Or the Saudi You've family. lost it, mate. You've lost it. You've lost the Saudi, it. I want to be honest. I don't want any report. <laughs> Hold on. Are you paper. trying to convince me to pick the team? Or... I want to be honest because I know there's going to be reports back after. So I want to lay it all on the table for you. Yeah, Recently, we've been bought out by the Saudi PIF fund, which is the investment fund of the royal family of Saudi Arabia. And they've injected cash into the city of Newcastle and the club of Newcastle. And fans of Newcastle just want to see their team play well. They don't want to win anything, but we do amazing. Newcastle is a working man's club. It's a it's a city club. It's a club of the people. And I would implore you to choose Newcastle United. So so just just one question. Just one just one question. Uh, I'm still waiting on the bar that I can go to to watch the game. I still. Yeah. I think you've that. This is what I mean, Liam. Like we'd lost. I have it. I have it. I have it. I have it. He's getting, okay. So Phil, it's called, bar, Phil, it's called the Bard's Bar, two o one three Walnut Street, Philadelphia, PA one nine. Is it still open? One o three. It's on Walnut Street. What's the name of it? Bard's. <laughs> B a r b at Barb's. B a r d s. The Bard's. Okay. Yeah. Right. right. So the new strip club coach. Come on. They are a tsunami <laughs> in Philadelphia Eagles fan base. So I've never seen. I haven't seen as much desperation on someone's face since. Um, I don't know when, but um, <laughs> we still have a couple more clubs to go through. So let's 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 move on through it. Um, before we get onto my club, and believe me, it's probably not even going to be worth going on to at the moment because they are absolutely terrible. Um, but we've we've noted that you have a bit of an affiliation to Arsenal. You were you had a jersey as a young as a young child. Yeah. You may have a bit of a connection to it. Um, to go into that, I don't know if you still follow them now or not, but they've 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 not been they've not really been doing too well over the last sort of uh, sixteen years or so. Um, they're they're a bit they're 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 like Forest, but they've kind of been a bit in no man's land. So Forest have kind of gone down, but then back up. Arsenal have kind of just. Stagnated yeah. in mediocrity for about about sixteen years. So, I'm probably, it's probably more of a question for you, coach. Do you still have any affiliation to Arsenal, or is that sort of gone long gone with your childhood? No, you know that was that was as a kid, and my older brother had a jersey too. This is, I think, back then, and we're talking. I'm not going to date myself here, but we're talking a really long time ago. Like that Arsenal, like that was the cool team. Hey, it's Arsenal. So the, the American kids even liked Arsenal. That was kind of the deal. So, but that was long, long, long time ago. So there's no affiliation, just except for the fact that if you ask me a soccer team, that could probably be the only name. I that could date you if you want, coach. I've looked you up. <laughs> I, I have a background. Oh. Where I went to school, all that stuff. So, so just like this bit of bit of paper, Arsenal. Yeah. Out of the equation. Yeah, we'll go ahead and put an X through that. Right? So that brings me on to my club. Now, I'd love to sit here and and annoy Liam and, and Mick for, for a couple of hours about how great and successful Manchester United have been over the last 20 years, 30 years even. Not so much lately. They're, they're on a real downturn. I know they're probably one of the most successful clubs um, in terms of uh, notoriety in America. So... Even the Manchester Derby gets a lot of um, a lot of uh, publicity. Um, I know that I've seen videos of fans at five o'clock in the morning going to bars in New York to watch the game. There's a, such a huge popularity. Yeah, nowadays you might say that's because of Manchester City's rise and not so much Manchester United. However, 
you know, at Sir Alex Ferguson, last 20 years, Champions Leagues, FA Cups, Premier Leagues, titles after titles after titles. It's going to come to an end at some point. You can't think, expect things to last forever. But, you know, I, 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 I took them on after my dad. Uh, I followed them from the early 90s. Um, admittedly, the most successful time ever. But they're on the rise the as well. Glory seeker, Phil. Is that what you're saying? What's that? You're saying you're a glory seeker. You just no, not at all. That's exactly what I'm not saying, is that my dad supported them since they were getting relegated into, uh, into lower divisions early in the 70s. Um, I just fortunately got born in 1987. By the time I was able to consciously follow a football team, it just turned out that they became the most successful team in <laughs> Europe at the time. So it's a coincidence. It's such a coincidence. It, it, but generally, you'll never be five minutes from a bar that will be shown in a Man United game. So don't worry about a bar that's, that's, that's a Celtic true. bar. Worry about walking into a bar going, I need to watch the United game. Where is it? Any sports bar that's very will be showing the United game. So they're easy to follow. They will be coming back. There's absolutely no question about that. The club is just too big to be going into mediocrity like Arsenal. So while Celtic might have the heart, we've got the gold. What Phil is saying here is if you want to support the Dallas Cowboys or the New England Patriots, then choose Man United. <laughs> if I was if I was a Dallas Cowboys fan, and I, oh, I would, you I would can't be say that cuss word on this podcast. <laughs> like I that. know, right? <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so okay. they're they, they five teams. Gotcha. There is a wild card, and oh. that's mainly because. The Arsenal connection, which is a very loose connection, and maybe to annoy a few Arsenal fans since you have no interest in them. Tottenham Hotspur. Yeah, you know, I don't know what your awareness is of Tottenham Hotspur, you know, the rivalry. If we can persuade you to maybe be a, a Tottenham Hotspur fan, to go against your roots, your brother, your jersey that you had as a kid, and to really, you know, if 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 the Arsenal, if Arsenal were the Dallas Cowboys, Tottenham Hotspur the Philadelphia Eagles, and that's what you need to be thinking. So, the closest stadium to your family in the, the closest stadium to your family in the UK. Okay, so I'm glad you brought, I'm glad you brought that up. So, yeah. I think, and I'm not gonna remember exactly what year when we were playing over there. Tottenham was supposed to be open, and that was gonna be they were supposed to play a game there, and there was something happened, and the game got moved to Wembley. So mm -hmm. I was a little bit disappointed because I'd been in Wembley. I was oh, it's another opportunity to coach in a another British stadium. It was gonna be awesome. Well, it didn't happen. So I still have a little bit of a nasty taste in my mouth with Tottenham. 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 So, so I, again, <laughs> the Arsenal folk aren't going to help me because I, I don't have a peak. Yeah, I do. Tottenham. He's going <laughs> like, oh. wow. All right. Yeah, so I like straight over the shoulder. We'll love that. We know a Cowboys like fan that will love that. I mean, there's every chance that as a as a running back coach for the Philadelphia Eagles, you could be making an appearance in Tottenham Hotspur Stadium in the very near future. We sincerely <laughs> hope that that is the case. But safe to say, I think your decision has been made in terms of ruling out the the, 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 the rubbish. So Arsenal, probably out. Spurs, Gone. definitely out. Gone. So that leaves you with Nottingham Forest, Celtic, Newcastle and Manchester United. Now over to you, coach. Let's hear what you have to say. Okay. So this is, this is what I'm thinking, because it came up when we first started this whole piece that was coming up, that the team that you're going to basically root for, defend for a lifetime. Like, this is – I am making a lifetime decision right here. That's right? Cool. Because 
unlike it, it think, I think really in the NFL a little bit, guys, there's some flip-flop that happens, but I, I have just a feeling in my heart that you don't start with one club and then go to another club and then, you know, the whole bandwagon concept. I don't know if that happens, you know, over there with the, with the, no, with it doesn't the at all. Right Not at all. So, I mean, this is, this is a very, very big lifetime decision that I'm making right here. So I, this, let me pose this. There's some great arguments. There's some great information. I'm not going to lie. Make like I was done. Like I was like, I don't even know why we need to even continue this. I was done. I was all in. I will say Liam was quick on the iPhone, got to the Google, got some extra information. He was prepared, but he wasn't quite prepared for the assault that you were going to attack them with. But he did kind of adjust and re come back to it and had a decent spot. And with the man you and then the man you went with the Trump card, you know, you don't need one. You can go to any sports bar. Yeah, and that, was gone. Yeah, that was so good. So I will good. say you, you guys got back in the mix. Like it truly became a decision that I had to make. So this is this is my thing. I, this is what I'm going to do. And y'all may not like it, but hey, oh, well, I get to choose. It's my decision. I'm generally on Tender Hooks right now. So <laughs> I'm a, I, need, I need to do a little bit more soul searching. I need okay. to look into my heart and see exactly which fan base aligns with the things that, that I believe in and what some of the players, and I, I got to see exactly what's going on with some of these teams. So this is what I'm going to do. I don't know okay. if I can put a date, but maybe it was with the, we have to be back at work for the start of training camp on July 24th. Sure. Okay. That's when I have to go back to work. We get going and the players come in two days later. So this is what I'm going to do on July 24th. Before that, I'm going to order a Jersey from the team that I select to be my life. <laughs> wow. And on July 24th in front of Nova care, right before I walk into the office for work, I'm going to take a picture and I'm going to post it to Twitter and I'm going to tag the pod. And that's wow. you'll see at that point, that's the team that I'm wearing. So that's, that's how we're going to do it. If anybody's listening and you want to figure out who the heck Coach Singleton's picking as his team, July 24th. And really, you know what? I'm not even going to tweet. I'm going to send it in a DM to you guys. So yeah. you guys get to post the picture. You'll be the first guys to find out. And if right. anybody wants to know it, they have to get it from you. How about that? Is that a plan? Oh, that's incredible. That that's awesome. big energy. Do big it. energy. Do it. <laughs> We're not messing around here. We're not just jumping in anyway. No. I like that. I like that. You're taking some time. You want to oh. think about this. This is a lifetime decision. You can do Absolutely. some research. And, and we get the big reveal, Coach. Big reveal. I, you know, I reckon, you know, the whole Philly fan base won't be looking forward to seeing what happens on July 24th in the Eagles franchise. They're going to be looking at your Twitter feed and our Twitter feed going, we want to know who this guy is picking. No. I don't know. I mean, I mean, I may drop a hint here and there. See, just to get guys ready for the whole reveal. You know, is it going to be blue or pink? The big reveal. Coming soon, Jersey reveal. The thing now, right? <laughs> Keep it green. Keep it green, Coach. Uh, hey guys, seriously, from the bottom of my heart, I appreciate this. It's been it's been great just talking with you guys and and getting a chance to reach out across the pond and and, and talk to to my my brothers over there. So this is. This has been great for me. I'm glad we were able to pull this off and make it happen. And, and hopefully we can stir up some more Philly Eagles, Philadelphia Eagles fans in the UK. Right. And hey, and maybe we can get an affinity going and, and keep rolling. But this this is awesome. I think this is probably just the beginning of, of a great relationship. And like I said, when I do get over there, I'm expecting Tomahawk. I'm expecting a 
nice red. I mean, all this stuff. I mean, I some no question you know yeah. you gotta yeah. factor that in coach i'm taking you, <laughs> yeah, I'm taking you to the suite in newcastle united we're gonna go uh, game that's it <laughs> oh, in the post. they got the wrong jersey on and they're gonna pelt me with I something know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, coach, thank you so much for joining us in the podcast awesome. we are you know what just delighted to just have such a great time to be honest during this podcast chatting to you like it's been it's been just Brilliant. It's been so much fun. Um, you know, a lot of stuff you said resonated with me, and I know it resonated with Mick and, and Phil as well. And we're so excited to see what you can do this year at the Philadelphia Eagles and um, what, what are you guys going to bring. We're super excited. I've already put money on the Super Bowl win for the Eagles this year. La, 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 la. <laughs> no, you didn't just do that, man. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm joking. I'm joking. I put no money on it. Um, no, but we're, we're, we're so blessed to have you on, and it's been. It's been amazing. And when honestly, coach, whenever you come over, you know, hit us up. We'll take you out. We'll we'll go for some we'll watch some football games or watch some whatever you want to watch. It's been we passion can have a good time there. Passion yep. Avenue, yeah. We got a we got a part of Passion Avenue in the UK over here with our UK fans. And we'll take you there for a Philly cheesesteak. You can measure up how it is versus what it is oh, yeah, in, cool. in in Philadelphia. But yeah, coach, listen. We've been the next mile podcast. It's part of the British and Irish Eagles. We hope you enjoyed it and we look forward to talking to you next time. And we love you.